welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale, and Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. And we're just two cool chickadees who simply indulge in their obsession for dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. And this is a two-parter. Let me tell you, this one is a a big doozy, right? So here is your disclaimer. The following crime chat contains adult content, descriptions of potentially violent scenarios. Your listener discretion is advised. Chatters, you have been warned. Okay, so before we get into today's crime chat, have you watched anything new on like Netflix or Amazon or No, anything? but you know, but um I think I sent it to you the other day. So Leo DiCaprio is going to play Jim Jones for the Jonestown Massacre. I can't wait for that to come out. I think he's going to be spectacular. I think so too. He's such a great actor and he's such a method actor where you don't think he can play the role, but he's really good. So And that, and that guy was something else. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that episode before. Yeah. Or just that in that episode. Well, yeah, he's an episode in himself, I guess. <laughs> but we've talked about him and, like, that whole situation before. And he's just, he's intense. So intense. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, he's he's a psychopath. He's, yeah. When you think about his crime, nine over 900 people he kills with that Kool-Aid. Yeah. That's, that, that is Is that just... where we get the drink the Kool-Aid from? Oh, <laughs> now it's creepy. <laughs> now it's just creepy. Yeah. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's scary. We, we uh... need to do a, a crime chat on that. Oh, yeah. But I have <laughs> been, I've been um, binge watching Dexter. Yes, how is that? Oh my gosh, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, so I, okay, confession, ch- crime mm-hmm. chat confession. I have to finish mm-hmm. the last mm-hmm. season before I start New Blood. Oh, I've already binged that, girl. I've I already know. binged all. But how uh, is it? Does it pick up where it left off? Like what what's kind of what's it based on? The timeline is um it's 10 years later okay. after he left Miami and what he did and he kind of changed his name and changed his location it's completely polar opposite of what dexter was for 10 years ago because technically it's 10 years ago since it was on yeah um but it takes place in um a cold and frigid place where back in 10 years ago it was in miami it was all hot yeah but yeah it's different he looked amazing i mean michael c hall is gorgeous and he looks really good and from the trailers i've seen i mean he hasn't aged a bit Mm -mm. Uh, no well he just he he aged like fine wine (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh so are you ready are we ready to get into this two-parter well uh we're gonna start with uh the part one should we begin Mm -hmm. yes but before we get into your two-part story let's chat some facts I've collected yes. that I wanted to share. Yes, yes. Okay. I don't know if you know this. I, I, I put in the dates. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you, I'm sure you know a lot of it um, because of your backgrounds. Uh, but in 1991 is when we first saw the World Wide Web was mm-hmm. created. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1993 was the first time we saw search engines. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you remember just... Ask Jeeves? Yes, I did. <laughs> I used to be like, ask, it's okay, just ask Jeeves. And I think go- the Google you, you Google you verse, 
has just <laughs> taken over. I mean, so everybody's now like Ask Google, but Ask Jeeves used to be a thing. That was the original asking search engine from back yeah. in the day. And it was like they had their logo had like that old guy, like a waiter. <laughs> yes. Remember? Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do you think if you type in Ask Jeeves now? Hold on. Let's try this. Ask jeeves.com what does it take you to okay so it takes you to ask.com which is i think like maybe where it's morphed into i was just curious where it took you to so there we go so it's still in existence it's probably not yeah. a i mean google took over everything and yeah. speaking of google 1998 was the birth of google <gasps> google google i remember that mm -hmm. yeah yeah and from that point 2000, uh, internet economy, shopping, Amazon. Amazon. It's so oh, yeah. easy to just click buy now, and it's on uh -huh. your doorstep the next day. Oh, yeah. You know? I, I'm always three feet away from my Alexa. She's right here. <laughs> yeah. Hi, yeah. Alexa. Um, Hi, Natalie. <laughs> oh, she just said something. Okay. Uh, 2004 <laughs> uh, was the creation of MySpace. Did, did you have a MySpace account? I did. Did you? No, I, I don't remember having a MySpace account. No? Oh, yeah, so with MySpace, I I mean, maybe looking back, you know, 15 years later, or I don't know, I can't do public math, but like 17 years later, I guess, you know, looking back and you're like, that was really cheesy, but mm -hmm. it you could personalize it so much, like you could make all these like different backgrounds and you can have color themes. Um, you could have, anytime somebody went to your page, you could have, like, you could pick your own music. And there was one, I think it was always my favorite. I had Jack and Diane as Jack my Diane. little ditty about <gasps> Jack and Diane. <laughs> so I had that as my theme song, like, when you clicked on my page. And then I mm. think I also had an Av Avril Lavigne. Hey, hey, you, you, I don't like your girlfriend. That was yeah. when music was cool, though. Yeah, but MySpace was like the, f was like, well, well, and we'll talk a little bit in the story about what some other things mm -hmm. uh, that were kind of on a, um, like a, an internet-based chatting, getting to know each other, you know, kind uh -huh. of thing. So, so well, yeah, I mean, so MySpace was, was pretty cool. It, it was MySpace. Do you think that the undoing of MySpace was because it was not regulated the way other sites are and you can get more of a shady dark part of it maybe not you know we kind of well like i mean the birth of the internet also leads to other things of where people start pushing the envelope on what you can and can't do and it's any time of something that's evolved as it mm -hmm. continuously evolves you get people who by accident or by nefarious reasons just like try to push that envelope and then now we have all these regulations so i mean it's possible i don't know mm -hmm. uh, myspace just kind of went away i think yeah I, I think i remember listening to one crime that was in the during myspace where yeah a, yeah, yeah a guy, a, a cannibal, went online and asked yes. for a person, like, who was who was okay with being eaten. Yeah. Do you remember was that it, Wasn't it? I remember, well, I remember one like that, and there was a guy who was like, yeah, you can have my daughter. Oh, I didn't hear there that. There was one, one like, yeah, and, well, that might have been, like, a Craigslist thing. That was, um, a, I think MySpace was a lot like Craigslist in that way. In a way, yeah. Sh yeah. Shady shit could happen. Very. 
Oh, and there's words, like words that mean something else, where you can say, um, do you remember the old, um, gosh, it was a Madonna movie, not single white female, but it was something else where she put put herself out there, like as a singles. It's not. Oh, Desperately Seeking Susan. Susan. Mm -hmm. Desperately Seeking Susan, yes. I mean, it's just, I mean, that was back, what, probably late 80s, early 90s for that one, and that could have gone so bad oh yeah if you think about like that scenario and you put it in like today's society and Mm -hmm. what had happened Mm -hmm. it could have gone so bad yeah and the (laughs) only thing that lives on from that movie for me yeah are her her boots do you remember her boots? oh gosh i do with the buckles yes (laughs) silver and shiny yes um okay so 2005 youtube was invented nice And, and obviously has been very successful because look at all the platforms and mm-hmm. YouTube and Google are now partnered up and, mm-hmm. and all that. So, and then 2006, a public version of Facebook was published, but, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know this where Facebook only premiered. It first premiered in Oh four, mm-hmm. but only to college students. I didn't know. Okay. That. Yeah. I kind of remember that actually where it came out, Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. you know, and his, creative team came out with this college level interactive you know getting to know one another and then i think probably how they just saw how successful it became and they're like i wonder if we can make this a public forum and poof here there we it goes Facebook. there yeah. it is yep and in 2007 it was the mobile revolution which means that now we have competitive companies like apple and samsung and all mm-hmm. and blackberry and all these yeah. other and now they're oh, blackberry yeah i used to have a blackberry did you oh yeah <laughs> i had the kind that was like you remember the phones that slid the keyboard slid out yes. it was a touch screen or you could use the keyboard mm-hmm. be like super cool yeah <laughs> yeah i remember that <laughs> so now with all that technology at our fingertips i you can imagine crime has just kicked up a notch oh heck yeah okay uh, and with all this crime, that's when we started seeing publicly hacking concerns, which, as you know, mm-hmm. hacking could lead to grave consequences. Yes. Um, this For is, sure. Yeah, this is a huge intrusion into a computer network uh, and has given people many sleepless nights and has caused mm-hmm. massive monetary and physical damage. Now, I'm sure you know this. But hackers are classified into three main categories with some subcategories, and I'll get into that. Mm -hmm. The main ones are the white hats, the gray hats, and the black hats. That depends Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. the reason behind the hacking. Now, the subcategories would go into the blue hats, the red hats, and that would give us, like, once again, based on the hackers' beliefs and behaviors, that would give them the reason why they were hacking, and we're going to get into that, too. The good guys or the bad guys or somewhere in between. Yeah. 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 So now the first category is the white hat. And these basically are the good guys. (laughs) The good guys, yeah. They are typically known for their ethical hacking um, abilities. And this is where they are. Companies will hire them to make sure that there's no viruses or that Mm -hmm. there's no uh, outdoor other hackers coming in to steal their information, stuff like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And we're going to kind of get into that in a little bit in our story today about McAfee software and the guy behind it mm-hmm. and kind of how he became 
the face of the company, if you will, or the name of the company, um, and just a lot of kind of that personal side. Uh-huh. But it does have a lot to do with, and he was one. He was a very smart man at the time of this huge technology boost, like eighties, early nineties. Uh-huh. Um, but we'll kind of get into that. So I'll let you let you finish up here. Yeah. Well, you know what? Your story is two parter. It's big. And, I, and it's big. I'm glad you did it because there is no way I would wrap my brain around that story. There's just no way. I'm my brain is kind of mushy, but I'll <laughs> do my best. <laughs> uh, so down. So the next uh, category is the black hack, black hat mm-hmm. hackers. These are the bad guys. These are the guys that are breaching vulnerable companies to exploit mm-hmm. weakness weaknesses to steal money, personal information, valuable data. And basically, these are the guys that the white hats are working to mm-hmm. prevent them from interfering with the company and stuff like that. That's job security for the white hackers, mm-hmm. pretty much. Have you seen? So Chris Hemsworth was in a movie called Black Hat. Have you seen it? No. I've... Well, I haven't either, but I know about it. And I know, you know, kind of a lot of the hacking computer stuff as far as the computer crimes investigated and everything. But as I haven't seen it yet. So maybe we'll have to watch that together. Okay. Oh. I mean, anything with Chris Hemsworth in it, I say that. Bad. Hello. Okay. Uh, next category is the gray hat. Gray hats uh-huh. are motivated by proving their own importance and seeing themselves as the most elite hackers. So these are like, you know. So they could join either side depending on who pays better. Yeah. These guys have mommy issues. Those are the ones we call <laughs> facilitators. Yes. Enablers. Yes. Enablers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, next category is the green hat. Green hats okay. are motivated by proving themselves to hone in on their skills and their ambitions in their pursuits. Now, I'm thinking that the difference between a gray hat and a green hat is uh, the gray hats are uh, working kind of against something like a white hat where the green hats are just trying to hone in on maybe code breaking, but not necessarily mm-hmm. breaking into a, a company's mm-hmm. code. Sure. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, they're just learning mm-hmm. the whole hacking business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next category is a red hat. And the red hat is motivated by boredom and has no real, <laughs> <laughs> has no real, you know, alliance to the hacker world. They couldn't care yeah. less. They're just bored. They have some insight. They have some skill. And they're just causing havoc wherever they go. I wonder what happens if I do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just find out what happens. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes. the innovators. Yes, and the reason why we have again white hats. White hats, exactly. Go white <laughs> hats. Um, next one is uh, going to get into the blue hat. The blue hats are motivated by revenge, but that's basically it. Okay. The next category is the hacktivists, uh-huh. um, and these are the political guys. The hacktivists can be considered a subgroup of black hats and they use technology for political reasons to basically interfere with freedom of speech or create mm-hmm. in some way in their in their regard that they are protecting freedom of speech, uh, freedom of information and proving maybe uh, going along with some type of s- conspiracy theory. There's a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, I think if anybody... And these are where, just like I think with any activists, you feel, Mm -hmm. you know, if any part of your being is being impinged on by somebody outside of your control, 
we're going to fight for it. We're going to fight against it. So that kind of right. reminds yeah. me a little bit of that. And we've had a couple of people like that that are, are maybe not currently in our country that are seeking refuge someplace else. Ooh, 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 Very yes. mainstream people. Yes, mm-hmm. very so true. Yes. So um, a fun crime chat fact. Oh, yes. I love the crime chat fun facts. Yes, and that is that, did you know, and I'm sure you did know, that China is, well, China accounts for the world's largest number of hackers, which in the end of 2012 accounted for 41% of global hacking. Oh, yeah, I believe it. And I'm, yeah, I believe it. And I'm actually surprised it's not higher than that. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, I mean, China, when it comes to defense, U.S. defense, in the cyber realm, China is probably our number one uh, threat out there. Mm-hmm. And they've done think they China has uh, claimed breaking into Facebook, breaking into, I mean, multiple times into the Pentagon or to the Department of Defense websites. And, oh, yeah, right. yeah, definitely. And they, I mean, I don't know if they're just those, if they're the hacktivists or if they're the actual black hats trying to get secrets and, or just, or are they the, what do you, what did you call them? The red hats just trying to do what they can do. Just like, see what that, what happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So now I am going to, I'm going to list five known uh, hackers that mm-hmm. we've probably seen and you've seen in the paper mm-hmm. or public mm-hmm. uh, and tell you a little bit about what they did and their hacking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, have you ever heard of Kevin Polston? No. So, a.k.a. Dark Dante. Okay. Dark he hacked Dante. Into- <laughs> Dark Dante. What a name, right? Yeah. He hacked into fo- he hacked into the phone line of a radio station to become the winning caller of a brand new Porsche. Did he win the Porsche? I, I can't say I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I mean... I don't see anything oh, wrong yeah, with no, that. He, yes, and he was also, he was, right? He was also coined the Hannibal Lecter of computer crimes by the media. Now, was that was that early 2000s, late 90s? Do you remember? I didn't collect the dates. I'm just wondering if because of that time frame, you mm. know what I mean? Like, that probably would have been a peak opportunity in that time frame. I would think so. I mean, back in the day, do you remember the, well, radio station, right? Yeah. yeah. Telling oh, you yeah. a little bit yeah. of the time. So it was probably 90s, late 80s. Yeah. Radio station. And before they went, their... the, they went digital when everything was true frequency, right? That's true. Yeah. That's true. Right. Uh, next person is George Holtz, known as Geohot. Ever heard of him? Mm-mm. Geohot. Geohot. It's going to be my new, it's a good name, right? Uh, Profile name. Good name, but uh, maybe not bad. Or maybe not good reputation. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so this person was, um, he basically unlocked the first generation iPhone, which was said to be impossible. Well, he was only 17 at the time. Wow. Well, okay. So we'll get into a little bit of McAfee's. Um, I think it's not until the second part. So stay tuned. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll get into about how he was claiming how easy it is you can hack into an iphone and this is just as recent as maybe like eight or nine years ago really yeah and they and the company was like nope nope mm-mm. well we'll see it's like the titanic <laughs> so he was only um, so this geohot was only 17 yep that's it and he he actually traded an unlocked iphone for a nissan 
So was it Nissan that bought it from him? Like the, the I, wait. I don't think directly from Nissan, Nissan but Japanese he traded it. Okay. Probably from an auto trader or something. Oh gosh. So wait, there's more. So uh, next one is Jonathan James. Okay. He was a 15 year old hacker. Holy crap! And. 15 years old, his actions shut down NASA's network. Oh, shoot. I remember that. Okay. I remember when three, that happened. Yes. Three weeks. Oh. Three weeks. Oh, yes. I know. Yeah. He cost his hacking uh, just to fix it for, for the government to kind of figure out what he did. It cost us $1.7 million. Good. And God. to the International Space Station. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot of money. Uh, I mean, that was probably yeah. what that was maybe like 10 years ago or so, maybe. That's or it. Maybe a little later. I my my memory fogs me at this moment. <laughs> um, but even then, I mean, even if it even if it was 20 years ago, that's a that's a boatload of money. Yeah. That's that's a lot of money and to shut down um the International Space Station for 3 weeks, that's yeah. Yeah, and, and, so, okay, and not so being then, able to have, but I mean, think about it, not being able to have connectivity with the people who are hundreds of thousands of miles away. Mm -hmm. oh. he's, he's 15. He's a 15. He's a red hacker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is uh, Kevin Mitnick, and he was caught with over 100 cell phone clone codes okay. and several cloned cell phones. Now, I didn't really understand the significance of a cloned cell phone. Mm -hmm. And then I dived a little deeper, and this is really a really big breach because you can clone somebody with security clearance. You can clone mm -hmm. the president's phone. You can clone, yeah. you know, whatever you want. And he was found with 100 cell phones clones um and the law enforcement actually kept him in solitary confinement for eight months and they told the judge when they were trying to revisit the case like what are we going to do with this guy mm -hmm. uh we they said like this guy can start a nuclear war by whistling into a payphone mm. that's how talented he was but think about this okay I mean, okay, I'm guilty of it too, but like everybody holds their life in their cell phone, right? You've uh -huh. got your passwords to your banks, to your whatever accounts, to, you know, our YouTube and our social medias. I mean, how easy would it be if you're able to clone that? You can clone, it's essentially identity theft in the cyber realm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's worth scary. a lot of money. And on the dark web, that stuff is worth tons of money I can imagine yes oh my god oh my lord so the next and last guy is gary mckinnon mm -hmm. um uh this is what he said to the arresting officer he said your security system is crap quote, <laughs> i am solo quote i will continue to disrupt at the highest levels quote so this hacker basically uh, was able to delete sensitive material and software from on 97 American military and NASA servers. And that was, do you, oh, I don't remember that. You don't? No. I mean, I, okay. and I'm wondering how, if it was super, super, super recent or if it was like really, really late. Cause so I joined in like 96, 97, I went into uh -huh. the military, but I retired in 2018. So I can see, See, like if it, I don't, re I would have remembered that. Like, yeah, I would have well, remembered that. Well, uh, what I can do, I will list all the dates on our Patreon. Okay. 
No, perfect. Uh, just so you can learn more. But now you got me thinking. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was accused of this in 2002. Gosh, I was in then. I don't remember that. Now, I was overseas at the time, so. And that's my top five, Kat. What you think? No, that's crazy. I, and just to think there's probably 5,000 or 500,000 other attempts or successful attempts out there. I mean, that just in the 30-plus years that we have had mm -hmm. this internet and interwebs and all these interactions, not just nationally, but like internationally, um, there's uh -huh. there's just got to be so much more out there, which is so, so intriguing and is part of the reason why we're talking about Mr. McAfee today. Uh -huh. I can't wait. I am so looking forward to the story. I'm going to tell you right now, when you said you were going to do him, I was super excited. <laughs> well, do him in, in a uh, story time. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter, girl. Well, no, I, and I say that for a reason because this was a raunchy guy. Oh, okay. okay. All right. So All right. <laughs> he is quite the special topic. So let me tell you. And again, so much involved with this guy that we have two episodes. Um, and not that we're necessarily honoring him, but there's just so much shit to cover that it's going to take oh, two episodes. I can't so, wait. okay. Have you heard of our man, John McAfee? I know the name. Okay. I don't know the man. I know I, I know of the man. Okay. I just don't know the full story, which I, I I think I Googled it once and I it was just so much there that I'm <laughs> glad that you're explaining it to me because I know it's a crazy story. Oh, yeah, it is for sure. And so we'll get to really the man behind the name, right? But for the most part, we know him as the software guy, the antivirus guy, mm -hmm. right? But this will be just enough to quench your thirst, to whep your appetite. I'm going to start off with a quick sneak peek into what we're going to go over over the next two episodes. Okay? Okay. So living for years on the run, John McAfee, a larger-than-life software tycoon and one-time millionaire struggling politician somehow ended up hanging himself in his own prison cell in Spain on June 23rd, 2021, just earlier this year at the age of 75. Do you remember this? Do you remember he committed suicide? I remember it. I don't, I honestly, I didn't realize it was so, it wasn't that far away. It wasn't, it wasn't that, that long, long ago. ago. No, no. I mean, we're talking five, six months ago. This is not very long ago. So he once was a visionary and you may know him and we kind of mentioned by his antivirus software program, McAfee, right? Mm -hmm. He was a British born US entrepreneur who made boatloads of money at this time. Tons of money. Think the 80s and 90s and all the richness that went on during that time frame. And this was early in his life, and he was quite smart on the advancement of the newest technologies and how things were. He was pretty much kind of ahead of the game. But he also eventually customized himself to the lifestyles of the rich and famous. He eventually was arrested in Spain uh, while being on the run and allegedly took his own life. But this came after the Spanish High Court approved McAfee to be extradited from Spain back to the U.S. on tax evasion charges. That was the only thing they can get him on? Is oh, just oh like... no, 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 no. There's more. Oh, but that's okay, the only okay. thing that the U.S. could hold him on. So not oh. only do we have him fleeing the U.S. from these tax evasion charges, a former business partner accused him of rape, and he was fleeing Belize 
where he lived for years on being suspected of murder. Oh. Should I go on? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So here we go. All right. Here goes nothing. John David McAfee was born on a U.S. base in England to an American father and a British mother. His mother was actually said to have been related to the late John McCain. Really? Yeah. That's such an interesting fact. I would have never known that. Who would have known? Yeah. So following his father, Don, his, um, Don's military service in England, he brought his family back to the United States and they settled in Roanoke, Virginia. Don was described as an abusive alcoholic who became a road surveyor at the time. And at the impressionable age of 15, John's father, Don McAfee, took his own life. Which is oh. interesting because 60 years later, John also took his own life. Yeah. As a typical Cinderella rag to riches story goes, McAfee put himself through Roanoke College, where he discovered his ability to con and manipulate. And I wonder if there's a degree for that. (laughs) He also enrolled in a PhD program in mathematics at Northeast Louisiana College. He was a teacher's aide for a time, but he was fired for sleeping with one of his students. I think they kind of... What, what, this was a college? He was a, in the, he, so he was a teacher's aide for a PhD program, yeah. Okay, okay, all right. And he got fired for sleeping for work with one of the students. Mm-mm, never a good idea. No, no, it's a horrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> However, the student would become his first very short-lived wife. Oh, okay. Side note, I have no idea who she is. <laughs> I'm not able to find who she, who he was married to, like any additional information about her. Not even her name. Is which, that because you think she changed it? I don't know. Maybe. Um, but Aww. it's good on her. I wouldn't want any mm-hmm. affiliation with this man either. Once we get True. into the whole story and everything behind him, right? And you'll understand why soon. But to his own attestation, McAfee said he held dozens of jobs surrounding computer hardware, software. And as a side gig, he developed an adult get this, an adult dating service where he employed a database program and it certified whether or not the employees were free from HIV or AIDS. So basically it said, our people who you can go on this dating app, we guarantee they're free of the HIV. So it's basically an escort service with people who have been tested. Yeah, for sure. Wow. So he he was pimping. He was pimping them out. But he was pimping (laughs) out free of diseases. And, And at this time... You know, HIV and AIDS was was huge, right? We didn't have a cure or anything for it. So Mm -hmm. McAfee built quite the resume on top of his dating service. He worked on NASA's Apollo program as a programmer. He worked for both Univac and Xerox as a software designer and created their operating systems. He became a consultant with Computer Sciences Corporation and then Booz Allen Hamilton, which is a huge uh, contract company. Mm Mm-hmm. After that, he was employed at Lockheed Martin, another huge defense contract company, at the time uh, as a computer programmer. McAfee learned of two Pakistani brothers who created a computer virus and was essentially wreaking havoc on personal computers. So while it was alleged that the virus itself, which was named Brian, by the way, um, was not intended to be destructive... Rather, just send a message in a bottle is what they called it. Well, Where did they get Brian from? They just were able a- to, if they were one of those, like, I don't know if it's gray or red hackers. And they're just like, let's just see what happens. So, But where did they come up with Brian? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> they just named it Brian. <laughs> it's weird. So they sent this message in a bottle. 
McAfee received said message after reading it about it in a magazine and how much havoc that it was causing for personal computers to even McAfee's personal computer himself. So McAfee actually got this Brian virus on his own PC and decided to create a way to prevent viruses from destroying personal computer processors. So McAfee claimed that it was actually an accident that, quote, like anything in life, end quote, his own uh-huh. personal computer was affected with the Brian virus, which at this point could erase files from a hard drive. He wrote the original antivirus program, then named Virus Scan, under his newly generated business called McAfee Associates, Inc. So here's your, your crime chat fun fact. Did you know okay. that the computer virus, quote unquote virus, was derived from the makeup of actual biological viruses as far as the terminology? No, well, I, mean, I did not even make that connection. Yeah, if you think about it, a virus and how it's treated is, is terminology-wise, is very similar. So I found this mm-hmm. book entitled Inventors and Inventions. It's a Marshall mm-hmm. Cavendish Corporation publication number four. There's a section in that in set apart just for McAfee and how he discovered the computer viruses and how he just, just developed this antiviral software. So what they said was, much like a virus that infects organisms by working their way from the outside in, computer viruses Uh seek to destroy programs, data, or both programs and data, and they also spread themselves to other computers. Now, originally, this was spread through floppy disks. Do you remember those? The, I do. The actual, I do. the actual big ones that were floppy floppy, and then the hard ones that they called the smaller floppy disks, right? The three... Three by five, I think, was the name. Yeah. Yes, they they came in that little envelope. Yes, they were in that little. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I still have some in like a storage back in my attic or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um, so most viruses now are spread through the internet, of course, typically as an email or an attachment. And the more sneaky guys actually hide themselves within an email, an image, or a link. McAfee wow. and other antiviral software programs seek seek these viruses out, much like an antiviral type of medication, right? We're going through mm-hmm. this right now with COVID and a type of antiviral medication to kind of, once we know a little bit about the virus itself, how can we mm-hmm. counteract it to prevent right. it from spreading to other people? So that's why I say it's like a kind of like this very similar to terminology with biological viruses because mm-hmm. it's, it's handled in much the same way, but digitally. Okay. So... They identify known sets of unique identifiers, um, these like in an email or something like that, that can include certain email headers, changes, files, or programs. And the key here is they, they do have to be known, right? So when like, if you think about the coronavirus, when the Delta variant came out, they're like, oh, well, there's more now than the original. It's a different variant. Uh-huh. So now we have to come up with this new antiviral to help right. fight that virus, basically. Right. So, which is why antiviral software programs are continuously being upgraded. That's why, like, every so often you're like, hey, your antiviral software program needs to be updated or you need to update your firewall or whatever is on your computer, which I always recommend Mm -hmm. doing, by the way. (laughs) Because hackers unceasingly develop ways to breach antiviral systems, whether they're red hackers, Mm -hmm. they're blue hackers, they're gray hackers. Let's just see what happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. They try to breach these antiviral systems. Anyways, so now by the end of the 1980s, McAfee authored also a bestseller book called Computer Viruses, Worms, 
data diddlers, killer programs, and other threats to your system. That's quite the title. <laughs> I was going to say, what's a data diddler? A data please? diddler is they're just like, I'm just diddling in your data. I'm just going to see what I can do. But ironically, this was also a premonition to his soon-to-come lifestyle. He was a diddler, mm. potentially a killer. <laughs> So McAfee soon realized that his profitable business led to other creations, such as what's called the Computer Virus Industry Association, also known as the CVIA, where he was the chairman. A new virus developed in the early 90s called Michelangelo. Now, I don't know why, like, all these viruses actually have names. I mean, I guess we call, we have to call it something. But do you remember this Michelangelo? Yes, I do. And I, I mean... Kudos to uh, upgrading the name from Brian to Michelangelo. (laughs) Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. So the virus was actually a dormant virus. And much like many viruses are, they lay dormant in one's body until something happens, right? So like viruses Mm -hmm. do, they would wake up. And Michelangelo was programmed to wake up on March 6th, March 6th of 1992. So McAfee mentioned... And said, we need, you know, I'm the owner of this McAfee antiviral software. This could destroy 50,000 mm-hmm. to 5 million computers. We need to do something soon. So, as you can imagine, it caused panic. <laughs> and, yeah, and also in 1992, it wasn't common to have a personal home computer as of yet. Right. A lot of six businesses, was, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So they had a lot to lose. Right. There was a lot there. Okay. So a lot of people were like, okay, so what do I do? And then I think the panic kind of went much like what you and I probably remember, Source, the, is the YK or Y2K thing, the oh, phenomenon. Yes. Yeah. You know, December 31st, 11.59 p.m. is the last time you're going to see anybody. The world is going to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so the actual date, though, of the Michelangelo virus, when it's supposed to launch, March 6th of 1992, happened to only a few computers that were actually affected by the virus. McAfee was blamed, actually, for the chaos. It was caught an inaccurate prediction of the damage, which, of course, that he denied, and some citing that he just wanted more business for his antiviral software programs. Mm. I could see that, I guess, you know, it's all about publicity at this point. Mm -hmm. So there were scandalous theories about what happened next, that he felt the pressure, the fallout of the Michelangelo virus. Um, He just wanted to retire. He wanted to be like, all right, y'all, I'm done. He was only 48 years old at the time, and this was in 1994. But whatever the reason, he resigned from his company, McAfee and Associates, very, very, very rich, And he moved from California. He was in um, Silicon Valley, which is kind of like the technical, technological advancement. Like this is where all the brains work, right? To Colorado to 400 acres in the middle of nowhere. Wow. As the internet began to boom, though, like in the late 90s, like you were talking about before, McAfee then saw an opportunity for a new adventure. Here's your next crime (laughs) chat fun fact. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Did you know? That there are a variety of different impacts that a computer virus can have. So not just on the computer hardware itself, but also on the people who use them. So in 2001, a study of the 7th Annual Computer Virus Prevalence Survey, which I guess is a thing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But some people were at risk of losing their jobs. 
developing unreliable applications and a loss of data and access to data. But the number one effect on a virus of a computer user was that the user was not able to gain access to the computer at all. So oh, I know these viruses. I know mm -hmm. I've been held hostage with a virus like that. Oh yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh -huh. So the users themselves are also affected, not just the computers and the viruses and the damages that they cause, but mm -hmm. people could lose their jobs. Yeah. And if you, because if you yeah. can't access your computer, well, you shouldn't have clicked on that link, you know, whatever. Okay, so by this time, it's the late 90s, early 2000s, McAfee's innovative nature took back over with the idea uh -huh. to create a community-based chat program called Pow Wow. The plan was to allow people to send instant messages and make new friends. Does this sound familiar at all? Yes, it sounds a lot like that um, chat room thing that was big in the 90s. The AOL. AOL yeah, yeah. So late mm -hmm. 90s. Yeah. So he came up. So McAfee came up with this program called Pow Wow and several years ahead of its time. So with any other software such as, like we mentioned, AOL, MySpace, or any other type of instant messenger that was in the early 2000s. Uh -huh. So Pow Wow unified several capabilities within itself not yet done by a single program. As AOL and Yahoo began their adventures, they be also began to dominate the internet. So Pow Wow's capabilities kind of struggled in the mainstream for this up and up and coming like internet users and everything and eventually McAfee sold Pow Wow which eventually also went out of business in 2001. So he sold it and then it was like crash. It died. Right. Do you remember the name Pow Wow at all? I don't, but he his like he's pretty impressive when you think about his inventions and <laughs> No, I guess. He's Nobody was thinking this way back then. No, they weren't he, was, even... he was very innovative and very kind yeah. of ahead of ahead of where he saw things going. But unfortunately, that would also be his demise. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, uh. so failing to live up with Powwow, he was failing to live up live up to his software security success. McAfee tried to gain levels of of success and took a different approach. He invested into a computer security firm called Zone Labs. While the name continued to sell McAfee antivirus software, so he was not no longer associated with it, but his name began continued to sell it. I mean, that's kind of what we even know now. I, just last week in my computer at work, it was you need mm -hmm. to update your McAfee antiviral software. It's still right, there. Well, people are brands loyal. They see a name. Well, yeah. So, by the way, McAfee mm -hmm. Associates was briefly named Network Solutions. Uh-huh. But that go? it didn't go very well. So, they actually went back and changed uh, to doing business as McAfee Inc. And that just goes yeah. to show you that's there's something in a name, right? Yeah. So, McAfee the man, not the viral program, antivirus program. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so, then purchased one thousand acres in hawaii i didn't even know there was a thousand acres available in hawaii <laughs> yeah that's a lot mm -hmm. so but while he was there he was seemingly a model prisoner a prisoner okay a model citizen citizen okay <laughs> not a prisoner be prisoner <laughs> mcafee made donations to the local community to like churches and schools and that kind of thing but in 2005, just two years after purchasing the proper property, McAfee became immersed in a hullabaloo. 
what the hell is a hullabaloo? Hullabaloo. I love the name. Is like a. Sounds like shenanigans. Yeah, like basically like a shenanigan. <laughs> he, be- he became okay. wrapped around this like, we'll just say shenanigans. Shenanigans. Uh, when media outlets were indicating he was auctioning off some of his land for development, which I guess maybe part of the purchasing of this land is it would be kept basically like no development would go on it. So, for example, a Wall Street Journal publication listed an advertisement for sale as his land stating, quote, John McAfee's historic oceanfront plantation, end quote, was for sale. Insisting they were just allegations, uh, McAfee said he bought this acreage for his family. And eventually, though, McAfee sold the development for $2.85 million. To who? I believe for development, unfortunately. So, okay, so this is a, this this has two edges here. Because one, he owns the land. Mm -hmm. He could do what he wants with it. Yes. But two, there are also, you're saying that there were people that wanted to preserve it. Mm Mm-hmm. That didn't own the land, mm-hmm. but they were trying to influence him to do something that they wanted him to do. But it could have, I don't know for sure, but it could have been part of the real estate terms of purchasing the land oh, anyway. Okay, okay. I different. mean, that could have been Got part it. of it. But again, he probably could have been like, well, shove it. I own it. I'm going to do with it what I want to do with it. And uh, people, yeah. I believe, just developed, started developing on it, so... But whatever millions... He's always looking to make a deal. The man is always looking to make a deal. Anything that makes him money, you know, makes him Uh richer. But whatever millions he made over the decades, he lost much of it due to the real estate bust in the late 2000s. Do you remember when the real estate market just was like, just crashed? Yes. So a CNBC interview, John stated that his life made a 180 degree turn in Belize because he had, there were no business regulations there. So he could pretty much do whatever he wanted to do while he lived in Belize. So when he left Hawaii, he, I think he briefly moved back to the U.S. for a little bit and then moved to Belize. So he has been described as the founder of the eponymous named antiviral software company. McAfee founded his antivirus software in the late 1980s, but is no longer affiliated with it. The company was purchased by Intel in 2010. So in the middle of this like identity crisis with the antiviral, this well-known antiviral software program, mm-hmm. McAfee is trying to lose that connection. Like, leave me out of this. Like, leave my name out of this. So he posted a video in 2013 that basically was ridiculing the difficulty he faced in removing his name from McAfee Software, the company that he sold. But I will let you know, you can find it on YouTube, but beware, it is laced with profanity if you choose to find it. The video is entitled, How to Uninstall McAfee Antivirus, where he not only blasts the software, but Uh also snorts white powder and is stripped. Okay. (laughs) He's stripped down by these scantily clad women. This video had 10 million views. 10 million views. McAfee told Reuters in a telephonic interview that the video is meant to ridicule the media's negative attention on him because of Hawaii, because of the land in Hawaii, and other things that I'm going to get into. So his big plan was to take that and but but inject his own negative... Two negatives negatives make a positive, right? That's what they teach us in science. That's true. (laughs) Oh, that's true. 
So also, in the interview with Reuters, McAfee claimed that Dr. Phil, yes, the Dr. Phil, was, quote, pounding on my door, pleading for me to be on his show, but I'm not an idiot, end quote. I completely believe that. <laughs> He's a very outspoken individual with somewhat radical views, and we're going to kind of get into that too. So in 2014, mm-hmm. Intel announced that they would drop McAfee's name from their program. In response, McAfee was quoted as saying, I am now everlasting grateful to Intel for freeing me of this terrible association with the worst software on the planet. These are not my words, but the words of millions of irate users. My elation at Intel's decision is beyond words, end quote. Wow. I wonder if his oh, his just attack of the I wonder if it really hurt the company. So apparently, so allegedly he was getting all of these like irate customers emailing him or contacting him directly that your software is a piece of shit. But he's um, not associated with it anymore. So he, now he's berating Intel, mm-hmm. who owns this software program, and which is kind of what his fight was behind it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, you're not going to get happy customers every time, right? No. This podcast isn't for everybody. This podcast yeah. is probably going to piss some people off. But you yeah. know what? <laughs> it's something that uh, other people, you're not the only one. And Mm -hmm. other people may enjoy it. We enjoy doing it. So we're going to do it anyway. Right? This is our podcast. That's right. Not yours. (laughs) That's right. So in 2014, it also bore McAfee founding a secure network device called the D-Central. And I don't know what D means. (laughs) My brain brain immediately goes (laughs) to the D. Go on. (laughs) Um, and Cognizant, which is a smartphone application that displayed other application permissions installed on the phone. So basically, these software applications would I, let you know, hey, all of these other applications on your phone, this is what they have access to. Okay. Camera, passwords, whatever. So okay. later in the same year at DEF CON, which is... One of the largest and most popular hacker conferences, McAfee warned against using applications on smartphones, suggesting that the, quote, clueless customers, end quote, would not read the privacy user ag- agreement and would be spied on. Uh, guilty. That's so accurate. I was going to say, that's so accurate. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, because the user agreements are like, like, I don't want to have time for this. I just want to use this application. Like, I don't, yeah, okay, yeah. whatever, do whatever you want. But essentially. And they're just. Desi- they're designed to be unreadable. They're designed oh, yeah. to kind of be like, yeah, I agree. Lawyer speak, right? Yes. <laughs> so keep in mm-hmm. mind, up to this point, McAfee has been avoiding and escaping legal, his own personal legal issues and lawsuits to also be um, to also include being responsible for the death of his nephew in 2008, being a person oh. of interest in a 2012 death of his neighbor, Gregory Fall, in Belize. In 2015, McAfee was arrested for a DUI in possession of a firearm while intoxicated. In 2019, his security team was arrested for possessing, quote, high caliber weapons, end quote, while his yacht was docked in the Dominican Republic. McAfee also alleged he was arrested in, in Norway in 2020 after refusing to remove a lace underwear thong 
with a proper mask for the COVID-19 <laughs> protections. <laughs> he had a thong over his face. And I, we've got some pictures that we're going to post up there also. Please. I need to see a visual. There is so I much think. more to go over about like, we. Oh I mean, we kind of had to do this episode to give him the background, right? Of how mm-hmm. innovative this individual was, that he he surrounded himself with a drama, sometimes yeah. by his own doing. Um, but he mm-hmm. is also said to have fathered at least 47 children. What? How? Not four, what? Not four or seven. 47 children. He reportedly met his wife Janice while he was on the run. Allegedly, she was a prostitute who solicited McAfee for sex. And McAfee describes himself, quote, as an eccentric millionaire and still alive, end quote. Well, not now, unfortunately. So that is the first segment of the John McAfee Part 1 story. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So that, that... First of all, he is, it's, I don't even know, this is where I, this is where my brain shuts down when I watch or I read something about him. It's, it's what you're going to go over next. Yes. Because right now he seems like somebody who is innovative, ahead of the game, Mm -hmm. and it feels like he is eccentric and he probably used some level of mental health treatment. Oh gosh, to yeah. Stabilize him a little bit and but he turned to drugs. He so there's there's crime use, there's um so both in his his compound that he had in the US and also in Belize, he had armed mm-hmm. guards with I mean with high caliber rifles. What was he so afraid of? Or are you going to get into that later? So we'll talk a little bit about that, but I think he okay. just really became a, a paranoid schizophrenic to be honest. He yeah, just, everything what... was very scary for him, uh, mm-hmm. which I think also was kind of part of his just giving in. But he had been also, if you think, I mean, he, he mastered conning and manipulation in his late 20s. And he pretty much. I know much, a couple of people like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> he pretty <laughs> much made his own, his whole life based on his able, his ability to manipulate people. That's and and how he could just talk to himself. I mean, there's so many interviews out there. I watched one, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna get into it a little bit on the next episode uh, with Neil mm-hmm. Cavuto, that is um, from Fox Business. But it was like just talking to seeing him talk in his hand gestures. I'll get into it, so I don't want to ruin it too mm-hmm. much. But just seeing a lot of the videos and stuff with him on it, his arrogance and narcissism is just like bleeding everywhere. Yeah, nobody Oof. can touch me. I'm John McAfee. Look at what I've done. Well, and now I'm on the yeah. run. <laughs> but we'll get into how he got on the run and essentially how his life ran out. Okay. I can't wait. This is amazing. This is pr- this is a really good story. Well, th- it's and there's more, but we don't want to leave anybody hanging for now. So there will be more information okay. on this case in the After That Crime Chat. Yes. And also, don't forget to um, subscribe to our Paint patreon for bonus episodes you don't want to miss behind the scene footage because we got some good bloopers oh the bloopers are (laughs) blooping are blooping (laughs) um and also check out some of uh, some of the merch that are that's in the works Mm -hmm. at the moment yep yep 
going to be really epic. And so don't forget also Crime Chat with Nat and Kat. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, mm-hmm. YouTube, on Twitter. All of your social needs will be met by the Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. Yes. Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. We're everywhere. <laughs> and be- Stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Also segments from Crime and Cosmetics. Yes. Which is going to be super cool. Yes, I can't wait. Yes. Um, and also Sinful Spirits. Sinful Spirits. And, uh, oh, any kind of the spiritual kind that you en- endure. The mm-hmm. the phenomenal, phenomenon, phenomenal. Phenomenal wine or a phenomenon while you're drinking wine. Yeah, you don't know you what's going to happen. It's, it's going to be sinful. Yeah. <laughs> so be sure to check out the second part of the conclusion of the McAfee story. You are not going to want to miss it. So we will see you guys next time on the Crime Chat. Bye. Bye, chatters. Bye, chatters. Bye, chatters.